0: If you're turning with me today, we're gonna to be in Genesis 25 is where I'm gonna start this morning. And we're gonna look at a few different, a few different people in the Bible that dealt with something that I think we all deal with at different times, and something that I think the majority of our body is dealing with right now because of camp. They're wore out. (laughs) They're tired. (laughs) Um, Zach brought two, three cases of monsters down there, not for the little kids, but like for counselors and workers if they needed to pick me up. He told me this morning they were almost gone. I said, what? (laughs) They're wore out. They're tired. So today, I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about... Your feelings, your emotions. Do you do what you feel like in your life? Do you always just do whatever you feel like, or do you do what's right? Because a lot of times that's two different things. A lot of times it's two different things. If you run around just doing what you feel like your whole time, your whole life, excuse me, I'm tired too, your whole life, then you're gonna be in trouble. Think about your life for a minute. Just think about you as a person. You on your job. You in your house. You when you come home from your job. Do you just, is it just about what you feel like? Are you bringing peace into the situation? Are you doing what you know is right? Another way to say it is, do you control your feelings or do they control you? Because honestly, I know some people, lots of people that, them little kids right there he's controlled by his feelings all right pretty sure that was one of my nephews (laughs) he's being controlled by his feelings right now he's obviously not very happy about something that's going on or something that his mom's making him do I know some people like that they feel mad they react they feel upset they react they want something they get it Feels good right now. Instant gratification. Do you control your feelings or do they control you? A life controlled by feelings, it's constantly forfeiting blessings and purpose. Every single day. When you act or when you are controlled by your feelings, you forfeit the blessings that God has for you and you forfeit your purpose. You don't don't just automatically walk in the purpose that God has for you. It takes obedience. Well, I'm all up in my feelings. Well, you need to get up out of your feelings. It's not a good thing. That's a choice. You are dangerous and reckless if you're living in your feelings. I've learned to act on what I know. And my feelings can follow. When you act in obedience, then your feelings will follow. I love my wife. Love's not a feeling. Love is a choice. And when I make that choice to love her, no matter what I feel like, sometimes she might do some stuff that makes me not feel like loving her at that moment. And I'm sure I do it to her a lot more often. Because I had nine younger siblings and I'm a perfectionist at aggravating. I'm real good at it. (laughs) So she probably feels that a lot more than me. But guess what? Sometimes I may not feel like loving her, but when I make the decision, because love is a choice. And when I love her, then my feelings follow. It's not that you don't ever have feelings. It's not that you can't feel anything and you just need to numb out and be the, like, to be a Christian or to be spiritual or to do what Pastor Dusty's talking about. I can't feel anything. No. God gave us feelings for a reason. We were created in God's image. God feels things. Feelings aren't bad. It's when we start being controlled by our feelings, that's when it becomes a bad thing. It's like so many other things in life. There are all kinds of stuff that's not necessarily bad, but it's when you start being controlled by it, then it becomes bad. It becomes detrimental. Love is a choice, it's not a feeling. God's a feeler. Um, I like in John, where, where John's telling us in, the, uh, in that first chapter of John that Jesus came as the light of the world, and um, he tells us that. God's DNA is inside of every living thing so God's a feeler and his DNA is in you so you feel but God will not act contrary to his character God feels he's got feelings but he won't act contrary to his character when you are tired when you're exhausted, when you're wore out I don't know if you've figured this out yet, but you make bad decisions. It's not a good time to make any serious or important decisions. When you're wore out, exhausted, tired, it's not a good time to talk to your spouse about important things. It's, it's not a good time to go have a, a meeting or quit your job, or you, don't make important decisions when you're wore out or exhausted. You'll be all up in your feelings, and you'll look back and regret it. It's not a good time when you're wore out, when you're exhausted, when, when you're tired. Think about every moment of failure in your life. Just think back on moments of failure, big sin, big times you fell down, big mistakes that you made back in your life. Oh, well, wow. thank you, Pastor. That's great. I can tell by some of y'all's faces, this is a fun trip we just went on. <laughs> I, have, I have a purpose. Think about all the, the failure, every moment of failure in your life. You might have been tired, exhausted when you made that decision to wore out physically, mentally, spiritually, Emotionally, there's different areas you can be tired in. All right. Let's look at Genesis twenty-five. Genesis twenty-five. See, we know this story. I want to see something here. Remember the story about Esau and Jacob, the two brothers. I'm just read you a couple verses here, and then we're gonna talk about it. Verse verse 27. And the boys grew. That's good and Esau was a cunning hunter a man of the field another place in the bible it tells us that he was hairy so he was a good hunter and he was hairy so think about duck dynasty he was like one of those guys real hairy and a good hunter he was a man's man alright a uh, hunter a man of the field and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents I'd rather be inside. And Isaac, that's their dad, loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. But Rebekah, their mom, loved Jacob. So we got the two brothers here. We got a daddy's boy and a mama's boy. Mama's boy liked to stay in the tent with mama. And daddy's boy grew a beard and went out and hunted. And daddy loved him because daddy loved the meat that he would bring back. All right just setting the stage for what's going on here and Jacob sawed pottage and Esau came from the field and he was faint so Jacob's back in the tent and he's cooking up this thing of pottage this thing of soup and here comes his brother coming back from the field he's been hunting he's tired and Esau said to Jacob feed me I pray thee with the same red pottage For I am faint. That word faint is a Hebrew word. It means exhausted. I am completely exhausted. I am faint. Please feed me. The Message Bible says, I am starving. That's the feeling he was feeling at the moment. He was starving. He's exhausted. He's about to faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, See, the little brother, he sees an opportunity here. Oh, he's really tired and he's really hungry. He's all up in his feelings. I'm about to see what I can get out of him. I'm going to swing for the fence. Shoot, forget cleaning up my room. Let me see what I can get out of this dude. He sees the opportunity. And Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. Now, to us, a birthright, it don't mean a whole lot here in 2019 here in America. But back then, if we could fully understand the birthright, it meant three things. Number one, when dad dies, you're the ruler of the family. Like, you're next in charge. Of everything that dad was in charge of and that dad was over, by being the firstborn, your birthright meant that you were in charge as soon as dad dies. Number two, it means you get a double portion of the inheritance. So whatever the inheritance is, you get twice as much as any of your other siblings. All right. And number three, it was your birthright was your identity Back then, it was who you are. You were the firstborn son. Um, you had a blessing from God in a sense that, that God was always with you. Your blessing was that you were the firstborn son. It was, that was your identity. I'm the firstborn. This was huge. And Jacob said, Sell me this day your birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die, I'm about to die. If I don't get some of that soup. Dude. If you could be there in that room and just kind of grab him and shake him a little bit. You're not about to die. You're, You're being stupid. He just asked you for your birthright. You're talking about a lot of material things. You're talking about the blessing from God. You're talking about your spiritual identity, who you are in the family. You're talking about your authority in the future. You're talking about your whole life, and you oh, I'm about to die. Feelings will turn you into a drama queen. Every time you start acting on your feelings, and you you start, you're you're not thinking logically. You know, people that are about to die, they don't walk in the door and announce it. If you're really about to die, you probably would have fell over out there in the field. Usually don't walk in and say, Hello, I'm about to die. Can I have some soup? He wasn't about to die. But guess what? Feelings are convincing. And they are not reliable. Trust me they'll convince you though you can convince yourself of all kind of stuff so he said I'm to the point to die and what profit shall this birthright do me what good is a birthright going to do if I'm dead I'm about to die come on man and Jacob said swear to me this day and he swore unto him and he sold his birthright unto Jacob And then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage. Well, that's good. At least he gave him a piece of bread with it, too. Of lentils. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. He despised his birthright. After that, you know, you feel bad after you've made the wrong decision, you've messed up. It, but I was reading that this week, and I read, he despises birthright. You know, what you exchange or what you give up, what you forfeit. Now, forfeiting's the easiest way to lose. You don't stand a chance of winning if you forfeit. The first, uh, our first flag football game of this season Uh, we didn't have enough guys. We had a bunch of guys out of town and stuff, and we weren't going to have enough, so I had to send them a message and forfeit the first game. We couldn't be there. And that about killed me. Like, we tried to drum up players. There just wasn't enough. We had too many people missing. We didn't have enough to play, so we forfeited. So they got the win, right? And the dude that, it's his team, he's Dylan's buddy from high school, name's matt so next time i saw him that next week he said yeah good game y'all put up last week y'all almost beat us but we got the win (laughs) Mm. we didn't even get a chance we did get to play him again last week and beat him though by the way just saying But you know, you lose every time you don't show up. Every time you forfeit. You can forfeit your purpose. You can forfeit the things that God has for you by acting out of your feelings or by accepting instant gratification. You can forfeit what God has. So what you exchange or give up, you will usually despise like he did. Like some of you are supposed to be leaders in the church, but you despise leaders in the church because of decisions that you've made. Or some of you despise your spouse because you have acted out of your feelings and exchanged a passing moment of pleasure for covenant. When you exchange what God's called you to have then you end up despising it he despised his birthright and the feeling went away he sold who he was born to be and we sit here today thousands of years later and we read it and we say what a moron (laughs) he's so dumb what a dummy and we do it every day we give up our purpose. We give up our identity. We give up who God has called us to be for a feeling, for something that'll feel good right now, or something I just I want to do right now. We, we we give it up. We convince ourselves how bad we need it, and we're gonna die. What what am I gonna do for God if I'm dead? I just I need it. No, you don't. We do it all the time. So what can we do? You need to know. You need to realize when you're on the brink of a breakdown. When you're too tired. When you're about to make a dumb decision. You got to learn to realize that. You know, I had a uh, a truck. Some of y'all probably remember it. Maybe you've seen it on the side of I-20 or... On the side of Buncombe Waco Road, or downtown Waco, or all different places on the side of the road. Why? Because that thing was on the brink of a breakdown. It broke down all the time. All different stuff too. It wasn't. You know, it wasn't uh, just one thing. It could be all kind of stuff. I think I got kind of tricked. I met the dude off the classifieds up there in the Walmart parking lot and said the thing was great. And it, man, I had so many problems with that truck ended up breaking down all over the place with me until finally the motor tore up on it. Like it was just a nightmare, a red lemon, right? It was on the brink of a breakdown. I know some people that live their life like they're just on the brink of a breakdown. You got to be careful what you say to them. You got to be careful around them. And at any moment, they might just break down. Why? Because they're exhausted. They're not getting refreshed. They're not getting refilled or recharged. Pastor Bruce says it's okay to be exhausted. You should work hard. Spiritually, mentally, physically. It's okay to be exhausted when you lay down at night. But when you wake up and His mercy is renewed the next morning, you should be refreshed. If you're waking up still carrying the exhaustion from the day before, then You're going to break eventually. You're going to break down. Like my old red truck, you're going to end up in a junkyard somewhere. You're going to break down. You know, when milk is how we say it, is that milk still good? We say, well, it's on the verge. Right? That means it's just about to go bad. Like you might eat a bowl of cereal with it or something, but then it it needs to be. That's about it. It's going. Going out quick. It's on the verge. You ever feel like you're on the verge of a breakdown? Have you ever felt like you're on the brink or the verge? Maybe you feel like that right now. I want to tell you today, be very careful in those moments. Be careful what you do. Because the consequences are greater than the reward. See, the reward is instant, like that soup. When you do something, it's going to feel good in that moment. Yeah. You can lose it and scream and holler and cuss somebody out. Good, that's going to feel real good for just a minute. The reward is instant in the moment. But the consequences are greater than the reward. When you act out of that place. When you act out of your feelings. Oh, well, that feels good. But it's not worth it. See, you keep forfeiting what God has for you. Hebrews 12, 16. It's talking about this story. In the writer of Hebrews... He says this. Hebrews 12, 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. One morsel of meat. Man, he didn't even have he didn't even put much meat in that soup. It wasn't even like a good Campbell's chunky he got one morsel of meat in there and he sold his birthright the writer of Hebrews is like kind of saying like hey <laughs> you don't want to be like this genius I'm so wore out that a little bit of pleasure maybe would be worth it or you just get so exhausted that maybe y'all yeah, that sounds good. You can be exhausted physically. Mentally or spiritually. You can be exhausted physically and make a a bad spiritual decision. Or you can be wore out mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And make a bad physical decision for your body and for your health. Like that. They can... You can be tired in one area, but make a decision that will affect some other areas. So in what area are you drained? It helps to identify it. Sometimes me and Jesse will do that to each other. Like, hey, hey, hold on. What's the deal here? Oh, you're just tired. Man, let's talk about this tomorrow. We're wore out. It's not the time to have that discussion. Or hey, why? Wait, 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 wait. Let's trace this back to the root. Where's this problem coming from? Oh, wait, it's not that big of a deal. Maybe, maybe you're just emotionally wore out from whatever's happened the last couple of days. Maybe you just need to be refilled. So it's identifying it first. What area are you drained? Is it physically, mentally, spiritually? You need to identify it. Why? So you can refill. Right? If I'm running around in my car out here and I'm out of gas and I keep putting oil in it, I'm not going to go anywhere because I'm refilling the wrong thing. If I'm completely out of oil and I just keep putting gas in it and driving it, I'm going to blow up my motor. Not because I'm refilling the wrong thing. You got enough gas, you, got to put, you need to put some oil in there. It's a different thing you need to refill. Laying down in your bed will help you if you are physically tired, but if you're spiritually and mentally tired, that's not necessarily going to help to go lay down in your bed for a few hours. You have to identify, what area am I not full in? What area needs to be filled up? Then you got to fill it up. Remember, um, remember, Samson was this powerful judge, this strong warrior that could kill a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. And Delilah, his girlfriend, kept nagging him. And the scripture tells us that she kept on and on, day after day, trying to get his strength, trying to get his purpose, who God had called him to be, his identity, kind of like that birthright, who he was. And at first, he was strong. He wasn't about to tell her. (laughs) Not going to tell you. But then in in Judges 16, after a long time of her going on and on, and he got real tired. And he went in there to rest. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. His soul was vexed unto death. He was tired and wore out, and she just wore him down. On and on and on, till his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart. And he said unto her, There hath not a razor come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God, from my mother's womb if I be shaven then my strength will go from me and I shall become weak and be like any other man he told her his secret and we know what happened she shaved his head and they ran in and got him and made him a slave and poked his eyes out and this man that could have been this great powerful savior yeah he did some great things he did some cool things but was he all that he could have been no he made a decision to give up his secret. To give up who he was. Why? Because he was tired. He was wore down. Emotionally, she kept... Until finally he was just so wore out that he just said, Fine, here. Here's my secret. Here's my birthright. Here, here just take it. Hmm, Not worth it. Maybe your thing is soup, Campbell's soup. Maybe like Samson, your thing is girls. Or maybe your thing is you fill in the blank. What is it that will make you give up who you are, the real you? That when you get tired, it will make you make the wrong decision. I'm thinking about Moses. Moses was leading the children of Israel out of slavery. Moses did all kind of good things, but we know that Moses had an anger problem. Because you know, one of the first things we see is he killed one of the Egyptians, ran up and killed him because he was beating somebody else, and Moses was angry. That's what put him on the run to start with. So they're traveling through the through the desert and the people are murmuring and complaining against him and moses is getting upset and they're complaining about the leadership and they're going on and on about it and they come to this point you can go read the story this week if you want to but they come to the point where they have no water and then the people start blaming it on moses complaining about Moses. They have no water. He brought us out here in the desert to die. Oh, he's a horrible leader. He's, and Moses got so tired of them complaining, and he was exhausted. He was wore out. He didn't have water to drink either. It wasn't like he was just had plenty to drink, and none of them did. You know, he was thirsty too. And he got so tired and so mad at the people, and he was before God, and God said, Look, God's like, Calm down, Moses. Look, just go to this rock. Speak to the rock. Water will squirt out of the rock. They'll remember how big I am and it'll be okay. Trust me and just do what I say. Moses said, all right. And so Moses goes up to the rock, but he's so mad. Instead of doing what God said and speaking to the rock, Moses walks up to the rock with his staff and just starts beating it. Take a chill pill, Moses. Your anger's showing. Stop, dude. You know what God did? Let water come out of the rock to give all of them water and then told Moses, you won't walk in the land. You won't have all that I had for you because you're acting out of your emotions and your feelings rather than out of obedience to what I told you to do. I told you to speak to the rock not beat it with a stick. But beating it with a stick, that felt good because he was mad. Yeah, You think I'm a bad leader? <laughs> Watch this. Here's you some water. Drink it. And God's like, you won't have all that I had for you. Not worth it. He just got mad. Why are you so angry? You're not. you're just tired. Just wore out. You know some people in your life that just seem mad or angry all the time. They're not. They're probably just wore out. They're exhausted. Call it tangry. You're tired. You're acting angry. Go get some sleep. All them counselors are going to be tangry tonight. Take Malachi and Titus home and put them to bed. So you need to identify it so that you can refill. And the second thing is, it's very important who you surround yourself with. Because when you get tired and when you're exhausted, see if Samson, if he was surrounded by the right people rather than Delilah, he could have found rest. And not gotten his identity stripped from him. You know, when Esau came in there to Jacob, the deceiver. That's what Jacob means, is the deceiver. If he, if he was surrounded by the right people, they could talk a little sense into you. No, stop. You're giving up. No, you don't need to do this. Go get some sleep. You know what? Go refill. It's so important who you surround yourself with. You know, uh, I was thinking about the importance of a spotter. So the boys were talking about lifting weights. and They were going and lifting weights for summer workouts. And Sky's trying to lift weights now because he'll be at the middle school. And they were talking about their spotter when you're bench pressing. And people complain about when you get a bad spotter. Some of them just don't know what they're doing or... A spotter, Like, you want a good spotter. A good, good spotter. You know, like... Because when you're trying to max out, you're trying to push more weight than you've ever pushed, the spotter can't grab it too early or you'll never get strong. You'll never get that amount of weight. If they grab the weight off of you too fast. But... On the other hand, if you get the spotter that waits too long, you crush your face. So, um, that's not good either. They got to have good timing. The people that you surround yourself with can cause you to succeed and be who you're called to be, or they can feed your feelings. Yeah, let's do it. That's now. Let's. <laughs> Esau and Samson and Moses. Things could have looked much different for these three guys. Remember David? When he was supposed to be at war and he stayed home because he didn't feel like going to war. And then he saw Bathsheba bathing and he had some other kind of feelings that he acted on. And he paid a very dear price. And everybody that was connected to him and his kingdom paid as well. And it was so severe that David had to lose a son. He lost one of his kids over that, over acting on a feeling. He trades a moment for the blessing. And he paid a great price. But that was the Old Testament. And now, after the cross is different. See, it's okay. If you've acted on your feelings in the past and stuff, that's that's okay. Because now we have a way. Jesus paid a price, and he calls us, he beckons us, he puts out a, an invitation. Come on, I'll fill you up. I'll give you rest. In Matthew, in Matthew 11, Jesus was a man. We know he was all man and all God. And, and so we can read in Matthew 11 where John the Baptist, his cousin, his best buddy, his only ministry partner at the time that had come to prepare the way was locked up in jail for doing the right thing and saying the right thing. And Jesus is upset about that. And then John's disciples come to him, and they're like, hey, John wants to know if you're really the Messiah or if we should start looking for somebody else. Like So now Jesus knows even his cousin's doubting him, the one that was preparing the way for him. He's upset about that, and then he's upset about these cities. Um, Go read Matthew 11. Jesus is upset about some cities where they've done some work and some ministry and not seen anything in return, not got anything back out of it. And Jesus is just getting upset he was a man, he just started fussing. And then uh kind of right in the middle of his fussing in verse 28, no, not verse 28. Sorry. In verse 25, abruptly Jesus broke into prayer. He's fussing and complaining and he's getting all up in his feelings. About all this stuff that's going on and loss and things aren't turning out, ministry problems and all this stuff, life problems. Abruptly, Jesus broke into prayer. Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed your ways from the sophisticates and know it alls, but spelled them out clearly to ordinary people. What's he doing? He's thanking God and he's reminding himself that God's in control, that God's still on the throne. Everything's okay. Calm down. It's not that big of a deal. Get out of your feelings. Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. And then Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. He took a breath. He refilled himself. He refreshed himself spiritually. He reminded himself who God was. He, he was thankful. That's praise. He was thankful to God for who he was. And now he's able to minister to and speak to people different. Now he started talking back to the people, but it was tenderly. It changed the way he was dealing with people. The Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. It's free. Here we go. Jesus said, Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus is saying, Come to me. If you're tired, if you're wore out, if you're burned out, come to me. I told the kids at kids' camp that all throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus telling people come follow me, come follow me, come follow me. And and this is the only time where Jesus Jesus said come to me. Like come to me. I'll give you rest. I'll give you peace. Come to me, I'll I'll refill you. What's he talking about? Relationship. Hey, come have a relationship with me. I'll fill you up. Make time. Come to me. And I'll give you rest. If I go pay, if I go up to a Krispy Kreme and the hot and ready light's on. And I go in and pay for a box of 12 donuts. And I grab them and go jump in my car. And I'm riding down the road and just looking so forward to one of those hot fresh donuts. And reach over and open it up and look down. And instead of 12 donuts lined up in that thing, there's 12 little piles of kale salad. I'm going to be upset. In fact, I'm going to turn the car around. I'm heading back up there to Krispy Kreme. And they're going to give me my 12 donuts that I paid for. Because I've already paid the price. And I'm not going to settle for something not as good. Not going to settle for... For less, no. So peace and rest, purpose, breakthrough is yours. Jesus paid the price. If you're a Christian today and we believe we could all agree, yeah, I believe peace is mine. I I can show you Bible verses that say rest is mine, purpose is mine. God has a purpose for each one of you. God has a purpose for me. We'll all agree on that. But then we'll settle for less. We'll settle for instant gratification. We'll settle for what our feelings tell us. We'll, oh, well, I guess this kale salad's better for me than a donut anyways. And we'll sit there and settle. I guess I should have done it the other way around because kale salad's probably better, better for you physically than a Krispy Kreme donut. But I'm talking about what tastes better right now. So you get it we settle don't turn around and and run back and say no this isn't what was paid for Jesus paid for all those things for you don't settle don't settle for a little pile of salad when a donut's yours get you some so if you're wore out you're on the brink of a breakdown. But if you're refreshed, you've been walking with Jesus like we just read. If you're refreshed, you're on the brink of a breakthrough. If you want to have a breakthrough? I wrote down five things that that you can do to get refilled, refreshed, and breakthrough. And I'm going to run read those off to you and we're done. We'll pray number one you got to connect you got to connect you are designed to be in community you were designed to be in relationship have people in your life you got to connect with people number two meditate pray it's got to be a daily That's where you can fill up. You got to meditate. You got to go alone. You got to have some time that you can refill and you can communicate with God and you can just meditate. Oh, meditate. And I thought that was yoga. No, meditation is prayer. Remember in the Bible? Oh, yeah, I was doing some um, statistics. This is another one that I made up from my personal stuff that I've seen so far. So y'all tell me if y'all think it's wrong. But I've determined that 98% of women that wear yoga pants don't do yoga. I'll just leave that there, maybe not. <laughs> I get on that track. Yo oh yeah, meditation. <laughs> Meditation's not some weird thing, it's prayer get along, take a little bit of time, think, let God speak to you. So connect with people, meditate and pray, make it a daily thing. Number three, just a physical thing, but work out, get your heart rate up, get your lungs pumping, drink some water. You know, a lot of people I know they're in horrible moods, and they act out of their feelings, and they always feel bad and sick, and and it's just because they make bad physical decisions with their health health, and it affects them spiritually and ministry wise, and all like. So, do you know what? If you worked out, or just got out, and walked, or got your blood pumping, and did a little bit of workout, and drank about a gallon of water a day, it would that would be enough where you'd have a breakthrough. Wow, you're a completely different person. What'd you do? Did you get saved? You said, No, I just started drinking water. <laughs> Whoa! You're completely changed. Yeah, that was just that bad. I, it'll make a difference. It's just a physical thing. Get out, go for a walk. And that's kind of like the, the fourth one. Play. Find something. Go, go fishing. Play ball. Go on a walk with your kids or a friend. Find something you like to do and don't let your whole life just be about, well, what, I got to get this done and I'm busy and I got to get that done. I got to get, like, it's okay. Laugh. It's important. Get some friends that make you Laugh. Tell a joke. Hear a joke. It's it's important. Laughter is like a medicine. Oh yeah, I was going to tell y'all on the meditate one, that, that scripture in Nehemiah where it says, the book of the law, meditate on it day and night. I forgot about that part. So play and number five, last one, and we're done. Number five, to get your breakthrough, serve. I had several scriptures that... We can go to, but you can go look some up yourself. It tells us all throughout the Bible to serve. Serve somebody. Serve humanity. Serve the body of Christ. Serve Jesus. And in serving Jesus, we serve people. We serve the body. There's scripture that says, those who refresh others will be refreshed. I need to be refilled. I need to be refreshed. Go serve somebody. Go refresh somebody else. Be somebody else's miracle. Be somebody else's blessing. Go help somebody else and you'll be helped. We buy into the lie that just says, well, I need to be refreshed, so I'm going to go take some time for me. That's not what the Bible says. You want to be refreshed and refilled, serve somebody. Minister to somebody else. Give to somebody else. To something bigger than yourself. Happiness comes from giving to something bigger than yourself. Let's pray. God, thank you for speaking to us. God, forgive us for the times that we act out of our feelings. We act out of our emotion. or We make dumb decisions. And we forfeit the power that you have for us. We forfeit who we are in you for what we feel like in a moment. God, forgive us for that. Give us wisdom. Help us to walk in freedom. Help us to walk in obedience and make the right decisions and let our feelings follow us. God, we love you. Thank you for grace and mercy. Thank you for the cross. So that now it's not over for any one of us. No matter what our past decisions say, this day, we can come to you. Thank you that your arms are open. We're running into your arms today to get refreshed and restored. God, some of us need a breakthrough. So we're going to take the steps of obedience. And we believe you're going to come through for us. We love you. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.